Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the, the one, one, the only, the only, <laughs> Tim Ring. I wasn't sure if only Gambo got oh, the one and no, only. no, no, no. See, it's, it's. I transition to, it's, it's a long story. Okay. Well, I would only use the one and only, like, occasionally, every now and then. And after a while, it just morphed to every day. You know what? I'll just call him the one, the only. Just, let's just, let's just he do likes it, right? It. He likes it. And after a while, he demanded it. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, he was he, upset with you when you didn't say it. put yes. it in his contract. <laughs> I'm actually legally obligated to call him. No, it's, and then I thought, well, I mean, he's the one and only John Gambadro. You're the one and only Tim Ring. Technically, it is accurate. Kellen yes. Olsen, when he fills it, he's the one and only Kellen right. Olsen. So uh, why does Gambo get exclusivity on the one, the only? You know, because it's still true. You are the one, the only That's Tim true. Ring. And when it comes to Gambo, thank God he's the one and only. <laughs> I'm not sure the world is ready for two Gambos. Oh, boy. That would be a challenge. Yeah, that would be a lot of work. Could you think. imagine if there were two Gambos and they hosted a show together? <laughs> <laughs> well, my sauces, my sauces, my sauces, my sauces. <laughs> I don't think there would be a breath of air in that room. <laughs> no, but we That love should them. be the next Arizona sports uh, commercial that you guys have been doing <laughs> in, 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 the, in the realm of these. Uh, this oh, is Sports Center. We're, we're working do, on a couple of those. With- do, do Gambo hosting a show with Gambo. <laughs> Split the screen. No, it's uh, he, he, it's he well deserves a day off for him for sure. He's it's his birthday this weekend, and he just wanted to take an extra day to just kind of disconnect, enjoy the holiday. And quite frankly, I'm a little envious. I wish I was taking a day off too, so we can start the Thanksgiving weekend a little early. But it's always a pleasure to be hosting. This always show a you. pleasure. Always good to have you on the you doorstep with. of a holiday, Bernsey. I know you're heading up north right after the show to yep. be with your family. I will head home to be with my family. My wife, of course, never there. She has to work all these holidays. Does she have to work tomorrow? She does have to work tomorrow. You know what? Here's the deal with TV news. You know, Spay's over at ABC 15. The news goes on every night. Right? Holidays, whatever. Somebody has to be there anchoring. So all those anchors, they kind of have a holiday draft. They always kind of takes Christmas Eve because that's the most important to her. And you kind of get everybody's getting stuck Everybody working a gets, holiday to get something. You yeah. take you take your pick, which holiday means more to you to have off. Yep. And you t- and, and you, you work and you, the other one. You work the other ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we hope everybody's getting ready to have a nice Thanksgiving. Maybe you're on your way out of town. Let's weigh in with what we think is our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Rebound grabbed underneath by Bryant with 10 seconds remaining in this one. And now you can put it in the old ice box. It's in the deep freeze. And the Suns are going to come away with a victory. And the Suns come away with a 115-105 win over the Los Angeles Lakers. And despite everything that has happened to this team so far this year, they are the first place Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference. And I don't know how to... We'll talk about the game in just a minute, but I wanted to start with that because, you know, the the Sarver ownership situation, the injuries, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, Jake Crowder getting paid $10 million a year. He's sitting at home twiddling his thumbs right now. All of this, and not that it's been like 
overwhelming drama that's weighed this team down. But there's been a lot of stuff that they've kind of had to deal with. And yet they're in first place in the Western Conference right now after that win against the Lakers. No, I think you credit the culture that Monty Williams and James Jones have, have built over there. And obviously you credit Devin Booker a whole lot and Mikel Bridges and, yes, even DeAndre Ayton. It's funny you talk about you know the, the expectations and what this team has gone through. Remember the reports from the national media after Suns Media Day? Mark Spears, good friend of mine. Brian Windhorst, don't know him all that well. Both of those guys were saying, hey, this media day has got, has got the vibe of a funeral. I mean, mm-hmm. this team is just absolutely out of sorts, yada, yada, yada. And here we are the day before Thanksgiving, despite also losing two starters for the last seven games, and that will continue, especially with Cam Johnson. There they are on top of the, on top of the West. It's interesting, Dave, that prior to Sunday's win over the Knicks, Chris Paul had missed five games. They had only won two of those five. Mm-hmm. So even though there was this perception that you know campaign is playing great and the Suns are doing fine without those guys, they they were they were treading water a little, a bit. little bit. They were taking on some water a little bit. But they get home for a four game homestand. You you beat the Knicks. Now the Knicks came in eight and eight, beatable team. But they took care of business. And the Lakers last night. We'll get into it in a little bit. I got to tell you. I'm kind of glad LeBron James didn't play because Anthony Davis almost single-handedly took the Suns down. Now, they were, the Suns were down by two at the half, yeah. and they took control of the game. I mean, it was never in jeopardy where you're like, oh, my God, they're going to lose. But the Lakers hung with them. They kept taking punches and kept coming back. It's a crazy, it's a crazy game to look at. And in some ways, it reminds me of that Golden State game last week where Steph drops 50 and the Suns still win. Anthony Davis had a game for the ages last night, and the Lakers attempted... 30 more free throws than the Suns did. 30 more free throws than the Suns did. And and despite that, the Suns still won comfortably. Double digits. Never really. It was a one-point game at one point late in the third quarter. But it never really felt like. I mean, a game. Anthony Davis has a game like that. And the Lakers shoot 30 more free throw attempts than the Suns. How are you winning that game by double digits? What what allowed you to win that game by? I mean, I understand everything else with the Lakers wasn't very good last night. Their three point shooting is god awful, but it's impressive to the Suns because you look at those two things and you think that shouldn't be a double digit win at home for Phoenix. Well, you know the Lakers. Well, they got more than Anthony Davis in that game. You know, Burns. I mean, Lonnie Walker at twenty four, yeah. and, and and Russell Russell Westbrook actually had a decent game. He had twenty one, and yeah, you never got the. Feeling, oh my gosh, the Suns may lose this game. But again, I credit the Lakers. Every time the Suns got it up to ten or eleven, the Lakers would make a run. And thankfully, one of the player of the game, one of the players of the games game last night for the Suns was Dwayne Washington Jr. Oh man, who came off the bench and had fifteen instrumental points, impactful points uh, in extending that lead in the fourth quarter to give the Suns the ultimate breathing room they needed to win that game. But let me tell you something real quick. Anthony Davis, reports of his demise greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Because when he's healthy, he proved last night that is still a top five player in the NBA. And he's brittle, and you might not like him, and you like to call him street clothes and this and that. And he's <laughs> he's. The, but let me tell you something. He was awesome last night. Awesome. He was, De- Devin Booker's great. Anthony Davis was the most dominant player in that game last night. He had 37 and 21. Yeah. 37 and 21. Plus, what, five steals, five blocks. I mean, he, he, he was a monster. He was an absolute monster. And, and you're right. There, there were others who helped last night. It's just in totality. I mean, Booker was 10 of 24. He had 25 points, but it wasn't a classically great Devin Booker game. Mikel was awesome. Mikel was awesome. DeAndre Eaton was great in the fourth quarter of that game. He was kind of, 
persona non grata for the first three quarters of that game, but in the fourth quarter, 10 points. I'm glad you shouted out Dwayne Washington. He would appear to be another one of those James Jones kind of, you know, archaeological finds where, hey, look, look what, look what I dug up out of Indiana. A guy who can just come in off the bench and, you know, drop 10 on you in the fourth quarter and 15 for the game. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought Ish Wainwright gave them good minutes in limited action. Yeah. Yep, hit a couple big threes. He was just, and, and you're right. They have been, well, this is the first time they've won consecutive games since Chris Paul went out. They had kind of been one step forward, one step back, one yeah. step forward, one step back. And, and uh, again, again, I don't want to make it sound like the Suns have been burdened with a bunch of handicaps since the start of the season, but things have not gone according to plan, and yet they're still in first place. I'm, I'm impressed by that. No, I'm they impressed. Get, they have a winning culture, and Devin Booker, what does it tell you about Devin Booker, that he can really have kind of a a poor Devin Booker shooting game. Mm-hmm. He came out, he missed his first four shots of the game. So this was a game where it wasn't falling for Book early. But he just has a, a knack now to, 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 to score in the paint. He's developing a post game. Oh, yeah. He's so strong now when he goes to the basket. So he willed his way to 25. Bridges had 25 in the game. Campaign was okay, had 11. We missed a lot of those little floaters that he usually hits. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why he did, Anthony Davis didn't just dominate on one end of the court. Davis was a factor on the other end, too. The Suns didn't want to challenge him after the first few minutes of the game. Yep. And that's a big part of why the Lakers shot so many more free throws. Now, 30 free throw disparity, that's too much. But the Lakers were going to the basket aggressively. The Suns, because of Davis, were not. They were settling for short pull-up jumpers, which is okay, because they can knock those down, too. If you've noticed here on the Burns and Gambo show, there's something about last night's game that we didn't bring up, and that was by design, because we thought it deserved a segment all unto itself. Patrick Beverly. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Yeah, we were. <laughs> it's hard not to talk about Patrick Beverly when talking about that game last night. But we're like, you know what? Patrick Beverly and what happened. And then the comments afterwards just deserves a segment unto itself. Tim Ring is filling in for Gambo today here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy pre-Thanksgiving, everybody. Gambo taking the day off today so he can enjoy his with his family. And it's always great having Tim in the show. Now, you did the post-game show I did. I, last I, night, I pulled right? in for Bloomer last okay. night. So, so yeah. All the stuff out is there. Yep. fresh in the brain, right? Yeah. After the game, I can say, in case people have not heard Monty reference the the address the Patrick Beverly thing, he basically said it's uncalled for and it's getting silly, and he basically called upon the league to to do something about it. And I think he means a lengthy suspension for for Patrick Beverly because he's a repeat offender. This has been a pattern of behavior with him yeah. in the past. You know, he likes to fancy himself an agitator and a guy that can help you win games by playing that kind of style and fashion of basketball. But this is twice now to the Phoenix Suns alone in the span of a couple of years where he's jacked somebody up from behind when they haven't been looking. The Chris Paul play, Paul was, I mean, at least Aiton was on the court. Paul was walking to the bench when he jacked him up. With his back completely turned. Completely. I mean, at least with Aiton, you could say, okay, it was back to the side a little bit. I mean, with, with Paul in the playoff game, uh, Paul had no idea it was it coming. It was filthy dirty. None. Filthy dirty. Not, filthy to be, dirty. not to be overly dramatic, but Chris Paul could have, you know, when you're not ready to take a jolt like that in the back, they call it whiplash. It's usually in a car accident, but I mean, it's, there's a chance 
He could have really hurt Chris Paul when he did that. The difference, though, that Paul was walking to the bench. So that was that was filthy dirty. Last night, and I'm sure Laker fans are making this case today, that Pat Bev was, quote-unquote, standing up for a teammate. Now, DeAndre Ayton wasn't doing anything. The officials disagreed. They teed Ayton up for taunting. So let's understand that they right teed now. Eight, I thought they teed up Booker for the Booker, flagrant. No, Booker, Booker got a flagrant. Okay, that's why Reeves got two shots on the ball. Aiton. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm Aiton, sorry. Yes, you're right. You're right. Aiton yeah, and you're right. Beverly. Yeah, you're right. Got offsetting technicals. Yes, you're right. Aiton for taunting Pat Bev for obviously the shove. So. Again, this is the Lakers side of it. You could say that D.A. was standing over Reeves, taunting him, got teed up, and then Pat Bev didn't like it, and he went and defended a teammate. That's not me saying that. That's what the Lakers side of it would be. I don't care if Aiton was taunting Reeves or not. I just don't think you can come over with a running start and jack another player in the no, back. No, no. Because Aiton could have gotten an ankle caught up under Reeves and gotten hurt on the way down. And that's what I was thinking, too. I mean, if you want to sit there and say... You're Pat Beth. You want to sit there and say, hey, Book, you know, don't talk to my guy like that when you're standing over him as you're walking away. Hey, Aiden, don't go walking up to my guy when he's on the ground and standing over him like that. You want to say that? You want to do something about that? That's fine. For Pat Beth to do what he did is yes. not fine. Like, like I, I'll, I'll buy that there's an argument that DeAndre Eaton kind of after the fact, kind of going over there, and he almost... He didn't kick him, but he, I mean, like, he like, he was he nudging kinda, him. He was kind of nudging him a little bit <laughs> yeah. with his foot. He was standing right at, his, at the small of his back, kind of nudging him with his foot a little bit. All right. I mean, you know, come on, Aiden. You know, that, that that's probably not the thing you should be doing in that moment, but that does not in any universe warrant the kind of reaction it got from Pat Bev last night. None. Right. And that would be my answer to Pat Beverly or the Lakers or Darvin Ham or any Laker fan that wanted to have the argument and kind of Booker referenced to two after the game. He's like, listen, you want to push somebody, push him in the chest. I got it right here. Here's his comments to TNT. Devin Booker told TNT. That- oh, wait, no, that's not the one. I want the actual, is that the one? No, okay, that's the one. Here it is, okay. If you're going to continue to push people, you should push them in the chest and not in the back. Obviously, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going, yeah, I'm not going back and forth with, uh, with all of that. Okay, that was Pat Bev's response to Devin. Hey, it was more than it was supposed to be. Um... <laughs> I need to stop pushing people in the back, man. Push them in the chest. That's all I got to say. Thank you. I'm sorry. It was the, the huge sound file. I couldn't find it there on the fly when it I was, was looking for it. was a hot topic last night. But, it but, sure but was. That's the thing, though, guys. I mean, if Pat Bev wants to stand up for a teammate, I don't think any of us have a problem with that. I don't care if he's on the Lakers or the Suns or the Minnesota T-Wolves. But do it in a different ma- – don't do it – in a cheap shot, man. Don't do it dirty. Get get in there, front. There, there, there's a way to do it without doing it dirty. You, right, you don't, don't need to punch the guy. Fight him. Such a punk about it. I mean, right? walk up to Aiton face to face, man to man. Put your finger in his chest and say, "Don't do that to my guy, yeah. or you and I are going to have a problem." Yep. Yeah. And then if they both get teed up, okay, fine, whatever. But to do that, I, I mean, to be in the arena last night, it, 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 everybody gasped. Like, I mean, he he took a running start. Like he was Jalen Thompson in the open field. Oh, yeah. They, the TNT guys were talking about it afterwards. You were doing the postgame show, but I was watching the TNT postgame show. And and they were like, that's not a push. That's a body block, man. They're like. And, and, oh, dude, he jacked and him. He totally jacked him. And <laughs> and they were funny last They were typical inside the NBA about it last night. Kenny Smith talking about Pat Bev's M.O. His M.O. is I need to be the tough guy on the team. And if Reeds wasn't on the floor, that would 
It's two ways. It's always, it's always, it's it's a posturing. Like we're not going to be soft. I'm going to be the guy. Do it. You brought me in here to do that. Not even just do that, but just bring tough-minded and toughness to the team. Cheap shot, though. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. And a one-game suspension, you reckon? Of course, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. He knows it's it, but ways to look at like, it. that's what I'm supposed to do. All right, and Shaq was trying to get a word in edgewise, and I actually, I actually thought Shaq's point was really interesting, how you almost want one guy on your team that's kind of lost his mind a little bit like that. There's two ways to look at it, Ernie. You got a guy that's sticking up for his teammates, and you want to play with a guy like that. You want to play with at least one guy that, that's, that doesn't have all his marbles. And on the other side, on the <laughs> other side. one or at the most. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, you got to have one on the team. Yeah. I would say one. And on the other side, one. like you said, it's no, one and one is, But, you know, he's known for, you know, yeah. pushing people in the back. Yeah, so he's known for it. You know, and that's, and that's why I hope the league – doesn't just do the standard one game suspension, rubber stamp it, and see a you know a week from whenever. I I, I hope it's more than that because Pep Bev repeat offender, repeat that's what offender, I was especially with this organization. It's like come on, man, yeah. one game here isn't enough for Pep Bev. I uh, I grew up in the midst of the Bulls Pistons rivalry, and I got a full dose of Beverly's act with Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. And Bernsey, you're old enough to remember Rodman, obviously. He's like a little mini Rodman. He's the kind of guy that he brings a lot to a basketball team from an effort standpoint, a toughness standpoint, a scrappiness standpoint, an agitator standpoint, kind of guy that, you know, if he's on your team, you love him. He's on the other team, you hate him. But Rodman was was a half a cup of crazy, too. And, <laughs> yes, he was. And, and Pat Bev is as well. Yes. There's a difference between being an enforcer and being a guy like Shaq says that doesn't have all his marbles. Because Beverly, to me... Remember when he was sticking Devin Booker? He got in Booker's kitchen in that playoff series. He he, he did a good job, but he also broke his nose. Broke his nose. Had, and had and Steve Nash bleeding all over the place thing going. Yeah, yeah and it yeah. wasn't incidental contact. He essentially headbutted Booker in a half court defensive set. Blood all over the place. So this is the guy that it's just it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Sutton. It's too much. It's too much. It is, it is too much. And it's it. And look, it's one of those things where, ever since that Clippers series, and he's hopped around a little bit. Pat Bev, right? You mentioned Minnesota. Now the Lakers for a cup of coffee. He was with the Utah Jazz, and he didn't play a game there, but he got traded there. He's become that player where I think, as a Suns fan, you always kind of want to know where he's at. What team is he on? And is he going to be an impediment? Come playoff time, you know, like I, I think about that now with him ever since that Clippers series. I think to myself, you have to be aware of what team he's on and you have to be aware that if you face that team in the postseason, you're going to have to deal with this dirty player who has absolutely no problem just charging right over that line when it comes to your guys. And that always makes me know. I'm not scared that he's on the Lakers because I don't think the Lakers are, we don't have to worry about them. Yeah. But you do, guys like that, you you follow and you, where are they? I've got to know where you are at all times because I might have to deal with you in a seven game series. And I, you shouldn't have to deal with a guy like that in a seven game series. No, and again, I can't stress this enough. He He's crossed the line now too many times. And I think that whole, if he's on your team, you love him is absolute crap at this point. He, he He's 55, he, that horse is 55 miles outside the barn with Beverly. For example, everybody in the car right now, driving around, you're a Suns fan. Would you want Patrick Beverly on this team? No. Absolutely not. No. Because he's going to do something stupid to hurt you 
at some point in a key moment in a playoff game or a playoff series. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line, 620-620. It's open right now. When we come back, more developments in the reasons that Sean Coogler was released by the Cardinals and reaction from the Cardinals today, limited though it might be. You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tim Ring filling in. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we were just talking about Pat Bev getting ejected from last night's game. Surely face at least a one-game suspension, hopefully more, since he is, as Tim points out, a repeat offender. He's not going to talk all that much about it, though, apparently. No? No. When he was asked about the Booker comments, he's like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to no, Well, let's be, that. yeah, because... Well, you don't want to get into back and forth with, yeah, with one of the best players in the NBA. Got called out by Devin Booker. Hey, you want to go push guy? Go push him in the front, not in the back. Um, Pat Bev, I... I I hope recency bias doesn't kick in on this poll question. Okay. Mitch, what do you have for us? Because I, I fear it might a little bit. Yeah, so we were doing some discussion post-show prep, however you want to phrase it properly. And we're thinking how high on the list now is Patrick Beverly on the most wanted, hated, least liked Suns opponents. So we're asking you today, who is the least likable opponent in Phoenix Suns history? In order that I listed them, by the way. Robert Ory, John Paxson. Mario Ellie, Patrick Beverly. There are many others we could have put on the list. Of course. You can only put four. We can only put four. Okay, I, I, everybody we, making comments on Twitter about the four choices. Bruce Bowen we could have put on there. Tim Duncan. We, there's a lot of guys we Ginobili. could have put on Like, there. you could do a separate poll of the entire 05 Spurs. Sure. We get of it. Of course, we get it. That being said, to me, this one is easy, 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 and it's Robert Ory. It's Robert Ory because I, I truly believe of all of them, he took the most away from the Suns. When he hip-checked Steve Nash, I think, and then the subsequent... Now, I'm not going to blame him for what Amari and Boris did, but there's a cause and effect here, sure, right? He, sure. he, the cause and effect. And I think by doing that act that he did to Steve Nash, he cost the Suns their best chance at winning a championship up until that point. They obviously had a better chance when they played the Bucks a couple of years ago. I think if Paxson doesn't hit the shot, they still probably lose to the Bulls. The Mario Alley kiss, I don't know if that team was focused enough to win an NBA championship, if we're just being honest. And Pat Bev's been a nuisance, but he hasn't really cost the Suns anything because every time the Suns beat him, right? Robert Ory, easy, easy, easy. You said enough. I'll go, I'll go with Robert Ory. Okay. I was before my time in the Valley, but I'm well aware of what happened. And I think the fact that, that Bernsey's right, the and fact that that really. Everybody's almost, had a big shot Bob experience right. in their lifetime. Yeah. That, and he threw a towel in Danny Ainge's face when I, he was yes. a player here. Well, some or, people are indifferent to that act, I must say. Audience right now, it is a very much two-horse race. Okay. But the leader is the one and only hip checker himself, Robert Ory at 56.5%. Patrick Beverly, maybe recency bias playing a factor, 40.5%. So there's a remaining about 3 or 4% total. 2.7 yeah. went to Paxson, 0.3 went to Ellie. And that's the thing, just because Beverly hasn't cost the Suns anything dearly, he can still be hated. Oh, sure. sure. Still hate him. And just because John Paxson was doing nothing but his job... I can still hate him. <laughs> I'm still allowed to be mad about that if I want. You're not because you're a Chicago guy. You, yeah, no, I thought it was great. You, I'm um, sure you thought it was wonderful. The, but. Um, but it's funny, yes, because 
In regards to John Paxson, ask an older Red Sox fan how they feel about Bucky Dent, who was also just doing his job doing that his day. Job. Doesn't mean I have to like Park. Him. Yeah. All right, that's our poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Um, turning our attention to far more serious matters, the details on why Sean Cooler was fired, why he was sent home before the Cardinals even played in the Monday Night Football game. Uh, ESPN.com, Josh Weinfuss reporting the Cardinals offensive line coach and running game coordinator was fired after he groped a woman in Mexico City over the weekend. Mexican authorities were notified of the incident. It happened Sunday night. They informed the Cardinals. The Cardinals terminated Kugler and sent him back to Arizona on a flight Monday morning. Uh, today, we heard from Cliff Kingsbury. He did not get into a lot of details. Here's a couple of brief sound bites from Cliff about it. Yeah, once again, because of that process, you know, the ongoing legal process, I'm not really privy to speak more much on, on the legal issue. Um, I mean, it's a legal process that, like I said, I'm not able to speak on. And there was a lot of that. Um, on how tough it is to let Kugler go since he's been working with him since the day he walked in the door. Yeah, it's a part of the business. Anytime there's changes that have to be made, um, my least favorite part of the business. But we all understand the business and what you're signing up for. And then last one, and then I want to react to what we have to think about this, and that is whether he addressed the Kugler dismissal with the team. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that at that, but it was addressed in front of the team. Okay. Well... The whole, I'm not, I can't because it's a legal process. You can probably say a little more if you want to be transparent as an organization. And maybe not get into the details of what happened, but to speak about the circumstances surrounding the incident and what that meant to the organization the the night before the game. Yeah. And then sending him home the morning of the game. It's a tough deal. Bernsey, it's a, it's a really tough deal. Can I just say one thing real quick yeah. before we get into this? Yeah. I, and I just I want to make sure, you know, we talk about this from a football standpoint. We talk about this from a coaching standpoint, from an organizational standpoint. Uh, let's also speak the obvious. You can't do this to a female. You can't do this to another human being. It, it uh, Football... So what? Coaching, so what? And I know I think most people, most reasonable people listening to the show know that. But I also feels like it, feel like it needs to be said that, you know, we can sit here and talk about the football ramifications and the coaching ramifications and the organizational ramifications. But but you, you, you can't do this to another human being in, in no in no world is this. OK, so now that we've we've, we've no, I'll even take it a step further. Um, there's a victim there in Mexico City. And we don't know how you know how severe the groping was or what happened. But even if it was on a scale of one to ten of one, it's still very very wrong. That's yes. why the authorities were involved. So there's a victim there, allegedly. Allegedly, I say that you know, allegedly that's the allegation. Okay. But yes, there's a victim there. And, and now there are victims at home with Sean Coogler's wife and his family, and a guy losing his job, and rightfully so if if these allegations are true. And the fact that. The Cardinals were so swift in their decision-making process. Find out about this on Sunday night. Terminate Kugler on Monday morning. Send him on a plane. Get him out of here. To me, that that speaks to that there was no let's let this thing play out and innocent till proven guilty. That the Cardinals were extremely confident and one hundred percent sure that Kugler behaved inappropriately and needed to be terminated right away. And 
maybe even Kugler admitted guilt and made this very clean for the Cardinals. Like, that obviously went down on Sunday night, and the Cardinals wasted no time in severing that relationship. So that tells you a little bit about what probably went down in Mexico City. The night before a game, Burns, it's the biggest game of the year. Yep. Now we expand to the football conversation. Our thoughts are with the victims, there's family and their kids and their father losing their job and how that affects a family back on the home front. It's the night before the game. It's the biggest game of the year. I'm not saying you have to be in your hotel room reading the Bible, but what are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Why are you putting you're you're putting yourself in a position Somehow, some way, maybe alcohol was involved, maybe it wasn't, but you were in a position that you shouldn't have been in, and you made a really bad decision. The night before the biggest game of the year, you demand focus out of your players. Yep. You demand accountability out of your players to do everything you can to be ready to play a football game the next night. And now one of the best coaches on that staff is out screwing around the night before the game making a horrible decision that caused the authorities to be brought in. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really tough. I mean, you could hear it in Wolf's voice on the midday show today. Oh, yeah. It's very tough. Very tough. Very, tough. Very, very, very tough for this, this football team, which has got a lot of problems on the field, obviously, is now dealing with a whole lot of problems off it as well. Yeah, and, and there does, uh, I mean, and we alluded to this yesterday. We more than alluded to it. We said it yesterday when the news about Sean Kugler came down. It, it it feels right now organizationally between the product on the field and between the Eno Benjamin release, which came out of nowhere, and now the situation with Sean Kugler, which felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. You still have six games left this season, and, and there there does feel like perceptively there's things just kind of feel out of control right now right and like to the point where how much more of this can they take do they want to take there's no they there's one man there's one man and his brothers and sisters of course because they all own the team there is one man that can answer that question what is the breaking point because Bernsey I, let me say this before I get into this. I don't blame Cliff Kingsbury for Sean Cougar going out there and acting inappropriately and losing his job. Cliff Kingsbury's not. Sean Cougar's 56 years old. He knows right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not Cliff Kingsbury's job to babysit everybody, players or coaches. But wow, if you're Mike Bidwell, you're looking at a football team right now. Can't win football games. You've won five of your last 17. You've had two assistant coaches fired recently because they've been involved in this kind of crap. You got your quarterback telling the head coach to calm the F down in front of national television cameras. You got Kyler and Hop yelling at each other on the side. You got Hop out there getting taunting penalties. You got Antonio Hamilton giving up and letting Kittle score. Troy Aikman in front of the entire country calls your organization embarrassing. Oh, and as you mentioned, on top of all that, your number two running back gets into it about lack of touches with an assistant coach, and he needs to be immediately terminated. You're not after, wrong. After a win. Yeah, after a so win. If I'm Mike Bidwell, I'm looking at what I've built here and what I've got. What's the what's what's the tipping point? And are we there already? Yeah. Where the trucks get pulled in and they back them up. 
to that organization. Yep. Got a lot more to get into with that over the course of the day, and we will. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Tim Ring filling in for Gambo. Meanwhile, the football side of things for the Cardinals. Some news today you're going to want to hear about Kyler Murray. We'll talk about that and what it means next here on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kyler Murray meeting with the media today. Is he going to be out there on Sunday? I do. I do. I feel good. Um, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury today reiterated that. Yeah, we'll, we'll run test him, and he, he looked good today. So I'm, I'm feeling good about the chances. I think uh, if we didn't let him, we may have a fist fight in my office at this point. So um, I feel like he's definitely training in the right direction. Okay. So maybe not a fist fight. I think that's maybe the wrong imagery to have uh, as perhaps, of late. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. But certainly, uh, metaphorically speaking, we knew what he was talking about. And I, look at this point. This is. I'll tell you what. This is not going to be for the next few minutes. This is not going to be a conversation about whether Kyler can lead this team to the playoffs because that ship has long, long. Well, sailed. you'd be having it by yourself. Yeah, that's. If there's nobody would, on that ship with you if partaking. you're having that conversation. This is about. Kyler and not even so much Cliff, because I don't know what Cliff's future is. Nobody knows what Cliff's future is. That's going to be heavily speculated upon the last six weeks of the season. Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. All right. We you just talked a second ago about about you know what organizational changes need to happen and those conversations, believe me, there were there are gonna be tons of them between now and the end of the season. Kyler Murray is not going anywhere when it's so Getting him to be the best version of himself. Now, can you accomplish that in these six games? I don't know. But a long journey starts with a single step, and getting him back on the field Sunday against the Chargers is a step to getting Kyler Murray to be the best version of himself somehow. That's got to start to happen. Along with Buda Baker and J.J. Watt while he's here, this is Kyler Murray's team. Yes. This is a team right now searching for an edge, searching for an identity, Searching for leadership. Kyler Murray checks every one of those boxes when he's right. Kyler Murray has to lead men from that quarterback position. And I'm not sure that's always been the case. He was a very young guy when he came in. He was handed the starting job as a rookie. I'm not sure he embraced that role of leader of men in terms of his attitude, the way he dealt with teammates in the locker room, maybe even work ethic as we would later find out with the infamous clause mm-hmm. in the contract. How much did Larry Fitzgerald respect Kyler Murray as a teammate in that regard? That is always up for debate. We all heard Fitz and the other guys on Monday night. Kind of, They were kind of going all in on Kyler Murray. So did this you see is the not, national reaction to that, by the way? Yeah, I'm not breaking any news here. There are people nationally who are like, I can't recall the last time a pregame show went right. in like this on a guy. And it wasn't blatant, but it was pretty obvious, too. Yeah. And also, there were the, the undertones of pumping up Colt McCoy in the oh, way he handled business. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm you saying You know what the undertones of sure, that. Yeah, now, sure. Okay, so the Cardinals, Jeremy Fowler reports last week, the Cardinals are thinking about holding out Murray against the Chargers, giving him another week for that bye. And then after what happened on Monday night, no. Kyler Murray's got to get back out there and play, if he can play. Yeah. If the hamstring is good enough to play, even though it might be a little dicey, a little tender, he's got to play. He's got to become a leader. 
He's got to do for his team what Buda Baker did for his team playing in that game against the Rams with the high ankle sprain. Because it starts with Kyler Murray. I talk about this Cardinal team identity. What's going to separate the Cardinals from mediocrity to a potential playoff team or greatness still right now rests on the shoulders of Kyler Murray. No doubt. Now, what he can accomplish in those six games, I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I, and, I, and I say that because I honestly don't know how much longer the Cliff Kyler mentorship program has left to it. I, I, I don't. And, and that's not speculation that is of my own creation. I mean, you go look at any, you know, hot seat list for the coaching jobs in the NFL and you will see Cliff Kingsbury's name very near at the top of most of those lists. So, so I don't know how much the two of them together can accomplish in these six games. But I'll tell you this, if Cliff wants to bolster his case to be back next year as the coach of the Cardinals, helping to create the best version of Kyler Murray would go a long way into at least making that case during these last six games, win or lose, just in terms of Kyler's performance, to see him play well, lead well, do the quarterback thing well, would reflect very well on Cliff given that there's going to be a ton of speculation about his future over these next couple of months or so. Yeah, let me piggyback off that. To to me, the best person to make Kyler Murray the best version of himself is Kyler Kyler Murray. Murray. And even though, Bernsey, it happens every year, it really happens after a team has a bad year, there's going to be roster turnover. But a lot of these guys on this team now are going to be here next year. And I think for Kyler Murray, it's not just about going out there and like, okay, I got to play quarterback better. It's I've got to do everything better. I got to do everything Monday through Saturday better. I do everything on Sunday better. The sidelines better. Game film better. And, 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 and showing the guys that are going to be here next year, because as you mentioned, Kyler's going to be the quarterback next year. Yeah. It's about showing these guys how much this means to you. It's the beneath uh, the re, be, beneath the rib cage. It's the Steve Young rant from Monday Night Football, which were some of the most. I don't want to overstate it, but those were those were words that needed to be said. You know about going back to school, and he didn't mean literally, but obviously he meant you know quit acting like you know everything about everything and go back and and recognize there are things about this job that you need to relearn that you need to reteach yourself that you need to that you need to kind of start over to a certain extent because you don't have the all the answers anymore you did in elementary school you didn't in high school you didn't college you don't anymore and 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 there's more that you can do to get where you need to go and you got to start doing it and real quick before we hit the break i know when people fans hear steve young say that you're saying to yourself boy steve young knows what's going on you know why Steve Young was saying that? How do you think Steve Young knows that? Steve Young's not in the building every day. He's not with the Cardinals. Steve Young is saying that because somebody in the organization is telling him that. I guarantee you. Or former players are telling him that. Mm-hmm. Guys that played with Kyler Murray. Yep. That's where that's coming from. Yep. When we come back, are the Phoenix Suns becoming, or are they already there, the least like team in the NBA. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show.